everybody should be their own entrepreneur. Like whether or not you start a business, I think everybody should think of themselves as an entrepreneur and always grow, always seek out new things to learn, develop high income skills. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to TED Talks with Influencers. Today we've got Emily Liu. Yep. She's a recruiter turned career happiness coach which is true because I look at her Instagram daily and it just it does just that it makes me happy it's just so authentic. <laughs> she has a passion for helping people cultivate their lives professionally, personally and financially. Professionally and personally. In this episode we'll talk about how you don't have to work for yourself to be a helpful influencer, how to know when you should be working for someone or working for yourself, Emily's role as a helpful influencer. Emily, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to have you. <laughs> Emily, I like to start with how we met. Ooh, cross campus. Yes. So I'm pretty sure we were both at the co-working space. And then all of a sudden I saw you with like an orange like jacket, like bam, (laughs) it's hard to miss this guy. And then on top of that, you had like the biggest smile. You had really cool sun, like not sunglasses, but clear plastic glasses. Mm -hmm. You know which ones I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I heard you laugh and I was like, I have to be friends with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I love uh, Cross Campus for bringing us together. And what I think I liked about you the most is that you're probably the nicest, busiest person I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I can't talk right now, Ted. Smile. (laughs) Strategy that people So yeah, I think like part of the whole idea of helpful influencers, um, you asked me define what is helpful influencers. Are we going to talk about that? So mm-hmm. I like to say that it's in the name, an uh, influencer who helps. But specifically, what I'm trying to target, or we want to talk to people like you who not only have an influence. I know you don't consider yourself so much of an influencer, but have an online presence, but also just add massive value. Mm-hmm. That's our goal. I want to talk about what would you say to people who have this idea that they want to kind of work for themselves, but don't know whether or not they fit in, like whether they should be a solopreneur or whether or not they should actually just be working for a company. Mm -hmm. I love this question. And it's funny because right before I got here, I was actually talking to one of my clients and she has been a paralegal for law firms for a number of years. And she actually quit because of a toxic work environment and her boss. And she thought, Ooh, like, you know, cause I think a lot of this world is moving towards the gig economy and entrepreneurship is so popular. It's like be your own boss. And so she had this idea of maybe I'll start my own thing. And she started to try finding freelancing gigs, but it brought onto her like so much anxiety because she hated the unpredictable income streams. She basically said, I need to be told what to do. And I hear that as like a big differentiator between people who want to be entrepreneurs. They're like, no, I'm going to like pave my way. I'm going to create my own thing. And then I know a lot of people who are like, "Mm, I really don't want to hustle. Like I, I like the freedom of being able to have my entire weekends and having like a set schedule. And I like having like a steady paycheck. So I think to answer your question, should you be an entrepreneur? Should you be in corporate? I do believe that depending on your personality type and what your preferences and needs are, one is probably better for you than the other. That being said, I do believe that everybody should be their own entrepreneur. Like whether or not you start a business, I think everybody should think of themselves as an entrepreneur and always grow, always seek out new things to learn, develop high income skills because you just never know with automation or how companies you know, get acquired so quickly, whether or not you have job security. So the best thing I tell all of my job seeking clients who are in corporate is be your own entrepreneur. Don't, you don't have to start a business. You don't have to be the next Facebook, but you should be 
learning skills and developing them. Yeah, I like that. And I feel like you really, I know that you you preach this and you actually put it into practice because I actually went through your uh, happily hired formula challenge. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the most important things about that, and it's like as an entrepreneur, sometimes you're pushing your project so much that you forget that you have to actually make yourself marketable, not mm-hmm. only your projects. Yes. So maybe you could like jump the gun talking about happily hired, but maybe you could talk to people about that and like what that challenge entails and how to actually make yourself attractive. Like more marketable. Yeah. So I think like a misconception behind the corporate world is like, I don't have a lot of control, right? Cause like I hear a lot of corporate people who are like, maybe I should be my own business owner because I want control over what I do. But I just want to like emphasize everyone has control. Even if you're not like in the title of a manager or director or CEO, like you still have control over what you do on a day to day. You have control over like if you hate your job, great. Like go find another avenue for you. You can leave your job or you can create another job internally. Like you still have control, but you have to be able to make yourself known and visible. And so one of the things I talk to so many women about, especially is I hear from them, like, I hate marketing. I hate talking about myself. I'm not good at talking about myself. I'm like, no, you should always be talking about yourself. And that's really what the TED is referring to is I have a e-course program that's called Happily Hard Formula, which talks to job seekers about how to job search in 2019. And it's really walking from A to Z, like mindset and strategy. But part of what I do every single year in order to get people to understand my philosophy is I start a happily hired challenge, which is like five days of just giving free advice and support. And the things that I talk about in there are really like helping people boost their confidence because so much of I feel like so many corporate professionals, like, again, not feeling like they are in full control, like they're at the beck and call of like a corporate boss. They don't really feel like they have the liberty and the freedom to do what it is that they want anymore. It's like, I have to get approval from my boss. I have to, like, even if I want to find a job and I get a rejection letter, like they take it as like, oh no, I'm not good enough anymore. Right. And so my whole like day one of the challenge is to boost up their confidence again. And then it's like, okay, now that you have your confidence back, like you know that you can doubt your doubt instead of doubt yourself. It's like, well, then what's next, right? And I believe everybody should be marketing themselves just like you are your own brand or service, right? And the example I give a lot is like with Nike versus Adidas, you can have a clear distinction between the brands, but you, like if you're a project manager, for instance, and you're in the same interview room as like five other project managers, how do you differentiate yourself from the other five project managers? Like you're still a brand, but how is that being conveyed in like the way that you speak, what you do online and offline? Yeah. And you know, one thing I really like about the happily hired challenge and like you still have like the the Facebook group is accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone yes um, which is really cool because and one thing that we really want to touch on in this season is community Mm -hmm. Um, you do that very well oh thank you Um, there's just so many like so many so much advice that you can get from Mm -hmm. people that may be in the same situation that you're in or situations that you might be in now community goes uh, kind of in a few directions because as a solopreneur um, there's sort of a, a lack of community mm, unless in person. Yes. Yeah. But in corporate, you do get that community. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to touch on that trade-off. Like I think there's a kind of pros and cons you have to do for both, but how about that trade-off? Like some of the benefits that you get from working in corporate versus as a solopreneur? Yeah. I think that's a really great question. Cause I, before going to a co-working space, I was being a solopreneur for about two years and I found it really isolating. Like I would talk to people inside of Facebook groups, but there was no face-to-face interaction. And then 
I would talk to like my real life friends about funnels and Facebook ad campaigns and drip campaigns and like, what is that? You know? And so I felt really isolated for a long time. So I think with corporate, the cool thing about corporate is you do have like this day-to-day environment. You get to meet a lot of people within your industry or your niche. Like I feel that with corporate, there's always like professional organizations or associations that you can go to. That being said, I think entrepreneurs have that as well, but like both of them, it's about you seeking it out. But I feel like online, like entrepreneurs, it's primarily on in the online space, unless they're going to like a specific meetup group, right? Or like a co-working space. But I think like the cool thing about community is especially with our day and age, like there's community everywhere. And there, like, even if you live in a small rural city, like I feel that with the internet, you could have a sense of community, right? And sometimes I think that's actually more powerful because I was talking to another coach today about like mastermind groups and how entrepreneurs, when they get together, they're so vulnerable in many ways. Like they're opening up about like imposter syndrome. They're opening up about, I just did this launch and it failed. You know, I, I did this project and it failed. But I feel like in the corporate world, it's hard to have like that open community and space where people are openly vulnerable because I feel that everybody in entrepreneurship, not everybody, but a lot of entrepreneurs, they understand that failure is part of like the natural course to success and they embrace failure. And some of them even look forward to failure. I don't know if I told you this, but I have like failure folder. This comes from like Remit Sethi, which I love him, but he basically says like, I try to collect three failures every single month because if I'm not failing, I'm not doing enough, right? And I think failures are just lessons learned and we can pivot from them. But talking to my corporate professionals, you know, if it's like, oh my gosh, I got this really bad mark on my performance evaluation or most most of them are like, I got rejected or I didn't hear anything. Like they take it to mean the worst thing about themselves. It's like an automatic conclusion. Therefore, I must not be good enough. Right. There's that repercussion. Yeah. They're not used to putting themselves out there. And that's what I really want to help them shift through because I feel like failure, if you're not getting like rejections, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing enough in life. Like you're staying in your comfort zone in a sense, right? So going back to your question about how, how do like corporate people find their tribe? I think it's important to like have like like-minded people that you feel comfortable with where you can just really be open and honest and help each other grow and learn. Because again, with so many of the networking events I used to go to as a core professional, it was like, you know, happy hour mixers, but you're always just like smiling. It's like, oh, hey, what do you do? But it's hard to like get past that phase because I feel like a lot of the networking events that maybe a lot of people go to, they're very like once a month we meet, right? It's not consistent. You can't really get to a deeper level unless you really seek that out or take that offline. So I think that would be a good opportunity for corporate professionals and just finding like a really like-minded tribe or group because entrepreneurs do that really well. I got to dig deep a little bit because I mean, I think I've I've gone to like a few good networking events in LA, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're pretty uh, scattered. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to really like, I, I think it's like who you know in the city. You really have to like get to know the, like kind of the right people to find them. But you touched on this a little bit and I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper because you said you started two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, as a solopreneur or yep. entrepreneur trying to, you know, working on your own gig. Take us back to that. Like what made you make that decision? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, just give us some context. Yeah. I haven't actually openly shared this. So this is exciting. Yeah. yeah <laughs> great question. You're opening me up. Okay. So to understand my background, I am first generation Chinese American. Yeah. So very, very safe. Like, you know, immigrants, typical immigrant story, you get good grades, you go to college, you find 
a profession, ideally a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. I failed my mom in all three. And then you, you know, find a corporate job, you stay really safe, and you're kind of settled. So I more or less was really lost all throughout my career. And I, by happen chance, fell into recruitment. I just literally was looking for a job one day, went to a staffing agency and the recruiter goes, Hey, you would make a really great recruiter. Do you want to be a recruiter? I'm like, okay. So that's how I became a recruiter. And then over the years of recruiting, like I remember her helping me because I was so lost and I was like, Oh, here's like this really great opportunity. And When I first started, I wanted to help people. Like, I just knew I wanted to do something with helping. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I get to help so many people find jobs. But what I quickly realized after recruiting for like the first year is that every one person I'm helping, I'm rejecting like 200 to 300 people per job. And then I'm not giving them honest feedback. And I think this is something that a lot of corporate professionals need to know. It's like, it's not for a lack of not wanting to give you feedback. It's just that we're not able to. And then the times that I did give people feedback, they would argue with me. Like they would argue their point, you know? And so it's just easier to give them a canned response of, sorry, we went with another candidate. It was really competitive. Yeah. So that kind of was brewing in the background. Like I really want to help these people that I'm rejecting, but I didn't know that career coaching existed. So I ended up like recruiting for like six years after that. And it was my last corporate job. I had a really, really toxic environment. Like I had never never cried at a workplace before. I probably cried once a week because yeah, I don't want to get into like the specifics, but basically my boss had an ego trip and he would say like the most inappropriate things, the meanest things, the rudest things. He was kind of like physically in your face all the time. Like really, yeah, very bizarre behavior. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Very bizarre behavior, just very inappropriate. And he was actually a leader in the company and the organization. I had never experienced something like that before. I mean, I read articles about companies like, forget the one in the Bay Area where they got into a lot of trouble, like just most inappropriate things. But as a recruiter, I'd also hear from a lot of people why they left their jobs and they would talk about toxic work environments. I had never experienced that in my entire career up until that point. And I thought about quitting a couple of times because I don't believe like anybody should ever have to experience that. At the same time, I took it as a challenge. I was like, how can I improve this situation? But one day, Ted, like I came home and I cried and I was like telling my now husband, I will never have a boss again. Like I I never want to have a boss again. If anything, like I want to grow in like a company. I don't know what it is yet, but I want to grow a company and I want to be like the most incredible boss. Like I want to create like the most incredible culture. So that kind of was the catalyst of it all. And I'm really thankful for that opportunity because I think about a lot of struggle, like your hardships are like the best opportunities to grow. If you like listen to what that lesson is telling you and then you take action. So I think about it all the time, like why I'm so grateful for that boss, even though he like made my life a living hell for like nine months before I quit. Like had I had a perfect boss, I would have never been on this journey, right? I would have never had this deep desire to say like, I'm never going to have a boss again, right? So that was like a big catalyst. And basically how I started was 
I just wanted an exit strategy. And I wanted to think about how can I help people on the earlier end. And so on my nights and weekends, I literally started Cultivate. I was like, I want to help people cultivate their lives. Like it was as cheesy as it is. Like that's what I wanted to do. And then because I had such a strong background in recruitment and HR, I started reaching out to random people on LinkedIn. And I was like, hey, you need help with your personal brand. Can I help you with your LinkedIn profile? And then I started to see like, hey, there's an actual market for this. Like people need this. And then that's kind of how I started and evolved. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, they usually like take sort of this drastic situation to happen mm-hmm. for us like really want to pivot and yeah. get out of our situation so all right now we know how you got started now can you break down a little bit exactly what you do because like it's not only recruiting like you're a business tell us a little bit more about like really what it takes to yeah so actually i don't do recruiting anymore but i take my recruitment expertise to help people figure out how to land their dream job so as a career coach i work with people in three buckets one is people are like i kind of fell into my current position but i don't know how i got here and i don't want to be here anymore but it's like there's a lot of fear that comes with change and stepping out of that comfort zone and then it's also like what can I do? Because I have all of these years of experience. Like we wrap up so much of our identity into our work. And so that's scary to make a change. And we probably have people outside of our circles, like telling us, wait, you're going to leave like your six figure salary to pursue what, you know, and it's scary for a lot of people. So I help them really figure out what do you want to do? Like if you're waking up nine to five every single day, what would actually make you happy and excited? What's aligned with your strengths, your interests, your values? And what are those realistic jobs? So that's one. And then Two is really helping people who then figure out what they want to do or know what they want to do move into that actual position. So how do you actually tap into the hidden job market? How do you actually position yourself as a top 1% candidate to get hired? Because here's the thing is like a lot of advice out there is that there's so many candidates or job seekers and there's only like one job, which is true. There's like 200 to 300 job seekers for every one job. But what people don't tell you is that for companies, it's so hard to find good talent, right? right? right. It's hard to find good people. It's hard to find people who will actually stay and do a good job. And so that's what I really teach my clients. It's like, how do you beat out the 200 to 300 candidates? And how do you like snag that job offer? And so that's where I really take my recruiting expertise and help them position themselves. Everything from personal brand to negotiating. Yeah, But I... just because I like look at every one of your LinkedIn posts, <laughs> but you have like a lot, like there's a lot of numbers. Like uh, there's really an abundance of jobs out there. Oh my gosh. So, so many. Yeah. And two in June alone, they opened up 224,000 jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So there's opportunity. Out yeah. there. I like one quote that I really love that you say, you told me one day was there is no reason for a capable and willing person in the U S to not have a job. I truly believe that. <laughs> I honestly, like I have people who are international, like they are coming from Asia. They don't speak perfect English and they need sponsorship and they get a job. Yeah. So it's like, well, why are you not getting a job? And it often has to do with like people's limitations that they impose on themselves. Like, I have so many people who tell me like, I'm too old or it must be ageism or it must be, you know, gender or race it's like something right and so i think once people can take away those limitations and just understand like you're capable and you're put on this earth to not survive but to thrive why can't you right and i think everybody has like this victim 
not everybody, sorry, but a lot of people have the victim mentality and they play the victim card. And so they don't see the possibilities because they're just feeding themselves this story. Like, woe is me. This is my outcome. And then they find, like, I truly believe that it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Like the more we think something, the more we prove to ourselves and we speak that into existence. Of course, of course. So one question I do have is working with folks that are like looking to get into corporate. I wonder if you wanted to be independent contractor, if you wanted to be a solopreneur and work with companies, like, do you see that they're like, you see there being a fit there and how does like your, how does your tactics kind of work with this? Yeah, absolutely. I love this question because I feel like a lot of people, there's this misconception that you can only get a job if there's a job posting for it. Like companies only need somebody when they are posting a job online, but that's actually not true at all because I've been on the other side and there's a statistic that 85% of jobs never get posted. And it's because people are building relationships and they're adding value. They're like, hey, I see this need that you might have. I'm not sure if you need this, but if you're open to exploring possibilities, whether it looks like a full-time, a temp position, a contract position, coming in as a consultant, like I'd love to have a discussion. And then these opportunities are opened up for them. And then the positions are never posted because they are filled, right? Right, right? And so I think that even if a company, like you do go the traditional route of applying online and you don't get an opportunity, it doesn't mean like they are they don't have a need, right? It could be that they have a project coming up. So why can't, now that you have this contact at this company, why can't you pitch yourself? Why can't you share with them what you can do and where you can fill their gaps, right? But a lot of people are afraid of doing that. Like I have to teach my clients that you're actually doing these hiring managers a favor because like the worst thing in a company is not having the right talent in place, right? And having like this shortage in your staff and whenever you have a shortage in your staff, like there's so many inefficiencies, right? And so I teach my clients, like a lot of it is mindset. And I don't know if people understand mindset as much. So it's like just your own beliefs and your own thoughts that you've programmed. I teach them like how to reprogram a lot of it because we can rewire everything that we've been taught. And just because like we hear things from society, like we have to question, like (laughs) we have to question what's been passed down to us from generations, right? Yeah, I think that's super powerful. So actually, like, that's pretty much most of what I wanted to talk about. I think some of the other things is, like, I had the idea to, like, I mean, I wanted to interview you for a while now, and I kind of wanted to be re- a little bit more ready, which clearly is not the case. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to, uh, I, I, I had the idea to, like, interview you for a while, but what really triggered me was Independence Day, mm. because, uh, 4th of July, because I was actually working, and I feel like a few people So were. was I, <laughs> yeah. And then, so at that moment, I kind of was like, how independent am I? <laughs> but that's the difference between entrepreneurship and corporate, right? Yeah. Like corporate, you can clock out. Like right. you're not really, like even if you're going on vacation, sometimes if you set good boundaries, which is something I teach my clients, you don't have to check in or log in. But as your own company, like you're, well, hopefully you love what you do, right? It doesn't even feel like work. Because for me, I don't know about you, but for me, like when I work, it doesn't feel like work. It generally doesn't. And I don't believe in work-life balance when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's like work-life integration. Like, how do I integrate I like everything? I like that. That's yeah. definitely more accurate. Yeah. And so uh, you touched on a couple of things, and I'm going to say it now so that I don't forget. <laughs> well, is So I wanted to understand, like, a pros and cons list, like kind of a decision-making um, between going to, like, entrepreneurship or, like, working for a company. And if you're already working for a company, instead of, like, trying to transition, mm-hmm. but instead understanding yourself and scaling. Mm-hmm. And then on the, like, solopreneurship side, the entrepreneurship side is, like, how 
do you manage like health insurance? How do you manage vacation? Mm. Like when do you take it? When do you mm-hmm. decide if like you're doing this integration? You know? Yeah. And I know you uh, you get some deals. So. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the first is like pros and cons. Like when does yeah. someone know? When should I call you as a you know uh, to help me with my personal brand and like just make me more attractive to to companies? And when do I decide to like you know? just try to like really pursue my own business. Mm -hmm. So I think that everybody's going to be different, but the common thread between making that decision is like, what do you value at the end of the day? Because if you really value freedom and setting your own schedule and creating something from nothing, and you believe that you have the idea, the drive, and you really want to see it through and make it your own, then that's entrepreneurship for sure. If you value, like I value stability and consistency and collaboration and teamwork, and I really want to help somebody else like execute or somebody else reach their goals, but I want to be like the driver of that or really help them, then I think that there's a lot of fantastic companies out there, but you have to find the right company for you. But either way, I think it's just a matter of what do you really want? Because if you like, I know a lot of corporate professionals who tell me like starting my own business is like the last thing I want to do. Like it sounds like a headache. It sounds stressful. It sounds like so much endless work. And I don't have something that I'm super passionate about. Like that's the other thing. I feel like if you're an entrepreneur, you have a drive towards seeing like your impact and you have a product or service or an idea that you want to put out there in a world. Like I feel that a lot of people, perhaps they're not like the fire starters, right? And they're perfectly okay with just helping a company and having their own like space and freedom and having a company help them grow and give them challenges. And I think that's totally cool because that's the beautiful thing about this world is like there's unlimited opportunities. It's like, what do you really want to do? You got to get decisive. Yeah. You got to get into You got to get clarity. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Now I like to talk about housekeeping because this is like the most important thing I think people should understand. And so going back to like the vacation question, health insurance, I mean, it's not always just talking like client facing stuff. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in the background that happens. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. How do you manage like doing work, working in your business and working on your business? So admittedly, I'm not the best at this. Um, for the first two years, I really adopted the hustle mentality. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think I was the first person to get into cross campus and yeah. I'd be like the last person exiting. And then I would see myself there on the weekends and everybody else would like not be there. I'd be the only one. And I'm like, I think to myself, Hmm, good for other people. Like they're really (laughs) enjoying life, you know, but my life was my business. Yeah. And then one Saturday I went out to Marina Del Rey and I was on a boat with, cause my husband's company had like a team building exercise. That's the fun thing about being in a company that's already established is like, you can like enjoy, you know, like a, group dynamic, a bigger dynamic. But anyways, they had like a team building exercise. And I realized it was the first time, like we live in this amazing city, but it's the first time I saw something outside of cross campus. I remember like my Instagram story was like, there's a whole world outside of cross campus. Yeah. 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 So my first two years, I think that for me personally, I just wanted to scale. Like I wanted to grow. I wanted to build an infrastructure because I felt like if I can really get everything into place, then that's when I can like really enjoy the fruits of my labor. Right. So I had like this lofty goal of being like up and running within like the first two years. And then, you know, instead of like growing slowly for five years. So I did that to myself, but I'm happy to say that I have processes in place now. I've hired the right people in place and I have so much of my time and freedom back where this year, my entire 
intention is to just be intentional with the time that I have with the people that I love. Yeah. So I found that balance, but it took me a while to get there. Okay, cool. So that vacation is coming up. What was it, Italy? So I have to wait until Chris quits his corporate job because my husband only gets two weeks of vacation. So that's another reason. You know, what's interesting is for a long time, he's been unhappy in his work like really unhappy. But he's the type that needs like this catalyst. Like everybody needs a catalyst to like make a big leap. And he's one of those people that was like really complacent. Like a lot of people, they're, they're, they feel like things are fine. And in coaching, like that's the worst four letter F word. We call it like the worst four letter F word. It's like yeah. when people say it's fine because fine isn't great. It's not awesome. It's just like it's tolerating. It's right. And we usually if you think about it, when somebody asks like, you know, are you okay? And they're like, it's fine. It's fine. Right. Yeah. But it's like really deep down. It's not fine. Exactly. So for a while, like Chris has been on, he's seen me start my business three years ago and he's seen me on this journey and he's seen like what's possible if you like work for yourself. But I think he's always been the type to have to need something to like really push or elevate him. And we talked about this because I remember my first date with him. I asked him these three questions. I said, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a civil engineer. I'm like, oh, how long have you been working at your company? He said 10 years. And I was like, oh, when did you realize that you didn't like it anymore? Because he told me he didn't like it. He said the first year. And I was like, you've been in your job for nine years. And he later talked about it and said, I never really thought about it because nobody's ever asked me that question. And I guess he's just been on autopilot, you know, like so many people. Well, I mean, this is so easy with uh, work. I mean, if it ain't broken, don't, you know. Yeah. And especially working for the government, like you can just coast like and good benefits, the golden handcuffs, everything. So anyways, going back to my trip to Italy, because he ran out of vacation days, I actually told him I'm going to take my mom to Italy. And he was like, what? You're going without me to Italy? And I think that (laughs) was, yes, (laughs) that was the trigger. He was like, oh, shoot. I realized like I can't live this lifestyle that you want because that's the whole reason why I like one of my top values is adventure and freedom. And that's what allows me like this corporate non-corporate route allows me to have those two things. And so that's why I was saying it's important to align your, your values values to whichever route you want to take. But for me, mine was adventure and, and freedom. And so he started to see like, oh, I'm actually like kind of holding her back from being able to do these amazing things. And I want to do them with her. So now he's taking the leap of faith into entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's great. So now I'm his business coach too. (laughs) Which which was going to be the other thing I was going to say, the coach has a coach. Yes. A coach always has a coach. I will never not have a coach. when, When did you decide to get one? Ever since I became a coach. So here's the thing is my first year, and I think I saw from your questionnaire that you wanted to ask about my gig, like the gig economy. Right, right, yeah. That's actually, I forgot to mention that. So when I was starting to reach out to people on LinkedIn to ask them if they needed help with their resumes and LinkedIn profiles, a company called The Muse reached out and they're a huge platform for career advice. And they have something called like a career coach platform. So basically they reached out around that time to ask me if I wanted to be a career coach. And I thought, oh, that would be phenomenal because you guys are offering everything that I'm offering already. And that's what I would recommend to people who are just starting out a business. Really find like a platform or a service provider that's already offering what you're doing and see if you can like become a consultant for them or some type of freelancer. Because that really helped with leads in the beginning as well. But what was interesting is 
one of my clients ended up working with a career coach on a separate track, but she, the client hired me for a resume. And then I wrote her a resume. She sent it to her career coach and she, the career coach was like, wow, this is a really amazing resume. I don't write resumes or do LinkedIn profiles. So I'm just going to refer you all of my clients. And I was sitting there, Ted, like, wait, if you're a career coach, but you don't do this stuff, what the hell do you do? Right. And then that's when she started talking to me about mindset and helping people like really reprogram their old thinking or getting past limiting beliefs or assumptions or walking past like basically all of our internal blocks because so many people think it's like external blocks. Like I don't have enough time. I don't have a network. I don't have resources. I don't have the skills. I don't have the education, but it's actually all internal that prevents us from going through things, right? Like the fear, the anxiety, the I'm not good enough, the you know, all of that. And so after at at that point in my conversation with her, I had coached maybe over a hundred people. Like I was offering resume services and I realized it's actually not the resume that's holding these people back. Like, yes, it helps to have a nice resume, but it's because people are like not confident to go reach out to somebody and tell them, Hey, I admire what you're doing. Can we have a conversation? Right. Or even like going for jobs that they would love. They were like, or I don't meet 10% of the job description requirements. Therefore I'm not qualified. Right. So it was a lot of internal things that was actually holding people back. And that's like after I had that conversation with her, I'm kind of an action taker. So once I want something, like I go for it. I enrolled in a coaching certification program like that weekend. And I started going through and I realized, wow, if I can help people with mindset and strategy, like that is powerful. So that's what I offer to my current clients. But that being said, I needed a business coach to help me with the strategy. But then as I started to grow, like, you know, every time you grow and scale, you just run into another upper limit, right? We always have upper limits. It's like, oh, shoot, like I don't have consistency income. How do like, how do I make consistent income? And then it's like, oh, shoot, I'm now making this much money. But how do I sustain that? Am I going to lose it? Right? We always have upper limit problems. It's just like one problem after another. But that's when I hired my business coach because I needed somebody to help me with the strategies. But then I realized, shoot, like as I put in these strategies, there's a lot of fear because there's like so many new things coming up for me. And one of my coaches like shoot, the power of investing in a coach is that you just take action because you're like, well, shoot, I need to recoup my $500 that I just put down in this hour session, right? Like you're like, okay, how do I get back my investment? I just do it, right? And that's the best accountability. It's like the more money you spend, the more you're like, okay, that's scary, but I'll put myself on video, right? And then the more you do something, you just start to get more comfortable with it. And then you don't even think about it anymore. So that's like how coaching has really helped me. And I always have a coach. Like I have a life coach and a business coach because I think mindset and strategy is like, yeah, really key. I need to get my squad ready. (laughs) Your squad. So last question. What is a helpful answer to you? That's a great question. Because when I heard your company, first heard of your company, I was just thinking, okay, obviously it's like an influencer who helps, but I think I told you in the beginning, I really love what you're doing because I feel like when we hear the word influencer these days, it's like the Instagram influencer, right? It's like that really pretty model or, you know, whoever has like a hundred thousand followers um, plus, and they're kind of like an ad. It's like hashtag ad, hashtag ad, hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored. I was telling you, like, I feel that they're really, a lot of them are kind of turning into modern day advertisement. And it's like a lot of it is just pushing on consumerism. It's like you, do you need this new shirt? Well, I'm a minimalist. So 
it never really resonated with me, like these influencers. But I also see like a lot of people go into comparison mindset, right? And comparison is so easy, especially like when everything is filtered. And I feel like a lot of people, they actually say that their self-esteem lowers because they see these people who are living picture-perfect lives. They're getting paid to travel. They're getting paid to like wear amazing clothes and all of this stuff. And then it's easy to like get into that comparison mindset of like, well, why don't I have that, right? Right, right? Or like, what's wrong with me? Or I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough whatever it is. So when you came up with the idea of Healthfluencer, I was like, oh, I really love that because I do believe that everybody is an influencer, even though I say all the time, I don't influence anybody. I do believe that we all like through our actions and what we say and how we present ourselves, like we're influencing people in so many ways, whether or not it's like on a big scale or small scale, or we know it or not. Right. Right. And so I think Healthfluencer to me is just somebody who is doing good in this world. Like even if you're not like on social media, like you have zero followers, but you impact somebody's life for the better, you're a helpfluencer, right? Yeah, I, I love that. And I think like we're all helpfluencers, whether or not we know it, like all of our action and what we do really like has this ripple effect in our communities and the people around us. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I'm stealing it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I'm crowdsourcing. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for coming on. Tell the folks, please, how could they find you? I'm at Cultivite everywhere. So Facebook, Pinterest, Pinterest. My website's Cultivite.com. And then if you guys are corporate professionals who want to land your dream job, I would say just search Cultivate Your Career in Facebook groups and ask to join. We'd love to have you. We'll also have all the links on this episode page so you can find it there too. So thank you so much for being on with us today. Uh, you have just it's my pleasure. To- oh. <laughs> it's your what? Oh, it was my pleasure. Awesome. You have just listened to TED Talks with Health Walters. I'm your host, Ted Bernard. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>